Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. We're here. We're alive. We're doing things. I mean, to be going through everything that we've gone through, to still be here, to still be doing this, that is pretty impressive. Just gonna say, go us. That is true. That is true. Every now and then I think like, I'm really proud of us for continuing to do this and for not giving up. Right? Yes, honestly. Like, and we, I feel like sometimes we need to do that more. But then like, it's also nice when it's just like once in a while, we're all just like, yes, we're doing amazing. Like, we got to keep doing this. Like we are, we've come so far. So exciting. Yeah, we really do. We need to be our own hype man. Yes, exactly. Oh gosh. I mean we're we're doing it for everyone else here, so we might as well do it for ourselves. That is true. We're doing amazing and so are you guys. You know, one of the things that I wrote in my planner for the last like two weeks, because we all know that I'm hypercritical of myself and don't give myself any room to do anything. <laughs> yes, which you're working on, so you can yes. change that. I wrote in my planner <laughs> so I would remind myself. Give yourself the same grace you give your friends when they're struggling. So that is my reminder. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Always. That is so important. And I think that's one of the best ways to do it. I mean, especially like, I feel like some parents try to be like really good about that, like with their kids, like they would never want to do that to their kids. But of course we don't have kids. So we need to think about the people who we always want to treat the best. And that is always our friends. And it is the most one of the most fun things to do to be able to hype up your friends and to shower them in compliments once in a while i'll try to do like a leslie nope thing and be like hey you're a beautiful dolphin in the ocean Mm -hmm. of people and it's just it's just so much fun it brings me such joy to make people happy like that to make my favorite people happy like that specifically but then we forget to do it for ourselves and then it turns into a disaster so yes yeah that's what 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 is what is that thing people do they they pep themselves they they pet themselves up. They, they, you know, like they, they say nice things about themselves in the morning. They do. Uh, there is a word for that, Tracy. Oh, daily affirmations. Affirmations. Yes. I did that for a week and that felt great. So it works, but I haven't done it since. <laughs> so, cause I, I do like this five minute, like thing for myself where I'd like exercise, like for five to 10 minutes. I do this for five to 10 minutes, which meant I had to do daily affirmations for over five minutes every morning. That was very hard. And I had to like keep Googling more that I could say about myself, but it was a lot of, it actually, it was a bit of fun. So right on. It's weird, but it's fun. Everyone should do them. We deserve that. Way to go. Well, I don't have a very good transition, except as we try to change ourselves, let's discuss the changes in the church. <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> I was going to say, there is no segue from that into this. This was just a random. Come <laughs> on. Hey. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, changes in our lives, changes in the lives around us. You know, there, there's something there. <laughs> But anyways, so today we are talking about church policy changes. Yeah. All right. So we haven't had a chance to address all the changes that have been happening within the church since the last year. Um, not since we did one of our earliest earliest episodes with Crystal, where we discussed a few various topics in the church. Um, so we thought it was time to bring it back around. We wanted to bring out these some of these new policies and talk about them. So it's great to see that the church is always looking to improve our processes so that we are more clear about certain things and that we're more flexible in other areas. 
It's also important to recognize how the church is an ever-evolving, ever-living entity. So it's really important that we acknowledge these changes and understand what it means for us. And it's important that we understand how the church is run by God through man. And sometimes man can make things go wrong because of their own pride or prejudice. And the Lord steps in to correct things. Um, Within the church changes is an example of when Joseph and Martin Harris lost those 116 pages of the translation of the Book of Mormon. So we all know the story. Martin Harris wanted them. Joseph prayed, 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 prayed. Found the Lord was like, yeah, go ahead, take them. And then Martin lost them. Um, And Joseph was like, whoops. And that was a problem. So Joseph knew what the command was from the Lord. He questioned it several times, prayed about it, wanted a different answer, and then had to sit aside for a while. And he wasn't able to translate because of what happened. And it shows how the Lord stepped in to correct things to make sure that his work was happening the way he wanted it to happen. If we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we have to believe that the Lord will continue to reveal his way in our day just as much as he did in the Old Testament, the Book of Mormon, and during the Restoration. So while the doctrine does not change, we sometimes will learn to understand it in a different way. We'll interpret it differently, and we will learn more revelation along the way. So let's dive in. Now, why do we need any changes at all, Tracy? Like you said, it's important to recognize that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that if he was commanding his people to make changes to the organization and structure of his church in the Old Testament, the Book of Mormon, and during the Restoration, then he would continue to do so today in our times. The principles of the church and the doctrines of the church do not change. Those are the unchanging foundations of the church. But it's important to also adapt to the changing times and what the members of our church need during those specific times. So our wants and our needs change with every generation. And with that, the policies and practices of the church change with every generation as well. So as an example, when Joseph Smith was building the church in the beginning, changes were constantly being made because he was learning about what the structure of the church is, what the Lord's standards were, how everything was supposed to be running, and it was ever-evolving and ever-changing. It took him a while to create the Relief Society for the women of the church, but then it was disbanded after he was martyred and during the crossing of the plains to Utah. Here we see Relief Society wasn't a thing in the beginning, then it was established, and then it was taken away. And those are three different changes in the policy and function of the church. But then it was reestablished in 1867 and has been continuing since then. So things don't stay the same forever. Things constantly change. Exactly. Oh, and yeah, another example is our three-hour block changes. Everyone loved that. Okay, so like our church hours have always fascinated me because like back when our parents were our age, church wasn't really set in a consecutive three-hour block. So like originally, sacrament meeting was held in the evening on Sundays. Primary would be held like, you know, around 4 p.m. on a weekday. Then Relief Society was held at 10 a.m. during the weekday. Priesthood would be held on Sunday mornings. Youth classes scheduled randomly. It wasn't until 1973 when the energy slash gas crisis occurred that they finally consolidated all meetings to Sundays in a three-hour block. It does show that, yeah, our church does make a lot of changes due to outside factors, which can be very beneficial for us. 
Then it's also interesting that in 1980, the first presidency issued instruction to help families think about the Sabbath-centric activities for Sundays, focus on gospel instruction in the home, and to institute a more flexible activity schedule during the week for primary and youth-aged children. And of course, we all remember when President Nelson changed our Sunday block to a two-hour block in 2019. So changes happened throughout church history regarding policy, procedure, programs, and more. Exactly. Honestly, making changes is so important. Sometimes they're really good, like turning into a three-hour block instead of multiple meetings throughout the week, and then to a two-hour block. And sometimes they are not good changes. Um, Not everything changed, of course, means that it's the best change. There will be bad and uncomfortable ones along with the rest. Um, But ultimately, you can accept whether to use, accept, or live by them. Exactly. So there is a great quote in the article, The Most Important Change of All, found within the LDS blog website. So it's said by Irina Danielson, who we'll be quoting a few times throughout this episode. And she says that God doesn't ask us to follow him or his prophet blindly. He invites us to follow him in faith. And a big part of that is asking questions so that we come to know the truth for ourselves. With each change announced for the church, we can personally pray to God to know what it means for ourselves, our families, and our congregations. Each change announced by church leaders won't be spelled out exactly, and I think that's on purpose so that we can learn to stretch beyond our current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. Which I really like. I was thinking about it of a while ago, how a lot of the times our church guidance and gospel principles and stuff are sometimes like those blockers, those those plastic blockers, the orange cones on like the road and stuff like here's the path you should take but sometimes there's not a lot of cones so you're just like well i'm pretty sure i'm supposed to be doing this and then i can work it that way or or you can be like okay well actually like it's kind of open so i can actually get through right here or you can just be like well i'm gonna knock them all over because i want to we ultimately kind of have the decision to to understand them how we see fit yeah and i really like how she says that it's important to personally pray to know what it means So that way you can apply the changes appropriately in your life. I think that's one of the really great things that we have in the gospel is that we know about the gift of agency and we can choose whether to believe something or not. Ultimately, the Lord gives us these instructions so that way we will turn to him, ask him more fully the questions that we have about that and gain an understanding so we can apply it to our lives more fully. So I love that. I love that quote. Yes, exactly. We wanted to highlight some of the like big changes that have happened over the last year. Um, We're obviously not going to talk about all of them, but we have a couple that we really felt were important to highlight. But before we get into that, there is one change that I threw in here that is huge in my opinion. Um, This comes from the February 2020 article, New Church Handbook, What Do We Know About the Changes by Tad Walsh for Deseret News. He interviewed Elder Anthony D. Perkins of the church's correlation department. Elder Perkins said, if you look at the evolution of the handbook over the last hundred years, it's been evolving from administrative procedures to a more ministerial voice. The purpose of the church is to enable individuals and families to do the work of salvation and exaltation. And so I thought it was important to add this note about the changing handbook because the church in general is also changing its focus from being about accomplishing specific things in order to coming closer to Jesus Christ. Everything that the church has been doing over the last few years with like the youth programs, with temple work, with missionary work, etc., has all been to help people focus on their relationship with the Savior and bringing others to Jesus Christ because that's the way that we truly bring about Christ's kingdom on the earth. 
Yes. With the changing of the focus of the handbook reflecting a ministerial voice instead of an administrative voice, it allows leaders to focus on the atonement in like disciplinary matters in order to change the culture of wards and branches to be more Christ-like and less judgmental, and it helps the members recognize the power and ability that they hold in doing the work of salvation wherever they are in their faith journey. So I thought it was important to highlight that before we dove into like any other big change that came with the handbooks. Yes, agreed. Well said. Seriously, like we, yeah, we've we've done a lot of focus on like trying to achieve the the check marks. Really, like okay, go to church, do this, get baptized, go on the mission, get sealed, have two point five kids. You know that whole process. And now it's going more from the focus of like, okay, yeah, you do, you should be doing that. But what you really need to focus on is how this journey in life is going to work for you personally. And if you want to be able to do any of this, here's the process of being able to do it. Here's how you do it, not just the end result that we're all aiming for. Yeah. Because sometimes like when we do focus too much on a goal, we don't focus on the path that we have to take to get there. And I think that's one of the most important things that we can be doing. So this is great. I think another like good example of that is just like the Young Women Recognition Program. So like when my sister was in Young Women's or when she was starting out in Young Women's, you had to complete individual things for each class level that you were in. So you had to achieve things for like the beehive class and then you would get a beehive medallion and then you had to do one for Maya maids and you would get a Maya maid medallion and then you had oh. to do another one for your laurel class and then you would get your young womenhood recognition medallion. And then it changed when you and I were in young women's to like the purple book with like all of the random like young women values. And then I think it's changed yet again to something entirely different. You are right. I know nothing about it, but same. Yes. Yeah. But things like these are constantly changing to the focus of like going from the first one was super administrative. Like you had to complete this before you could move into Maya Maids and you had to complete Maya Maids before you could move into Laurels. Whereas now it's more fluid and it's just getting you to focus on becoming a disciple of Christ. It's fascinating stuff. I love seeing the changes happen. It's really interesting. Right? Man. Well, that's cool. All right. So let us dive off into these. So we wanted to just highlight five of what we noticed were some of the maybe the bigger changes that just attracted our attention a little bit more and hopefully have a awesome effect um, moving forward in our church. So number one is about the church magazine changes. We had like the Friend of the New Era, the Ensign, um, and then like the Liahona, but that was like always directed to just people internationally outside of America. So those were good. That's not a problem, but it's been changed. So now instead of the Liahona as the only magazine available for countries outside of the U.S., we now have the Liahona, the Friend, and the For the Strength of Youth, which is the new version of the, the New Era. Um, so that's huge. There was so much content that wasn't available for non-English readers and speakers for years, but now it's all available. And on top of that, there's exclusive digital content available for each area of the world for Liahona readers, which gives you more content than you thought you needed. All right. So the second one that we wanted to talk about was the updated Temple Recommend questions. So from the church newsroom in October 2019, there is a quote that says, Temple recommend questions have been periodically clarified or adjusted to meet the needs and circumstances of God's children. These current updates clarify but do not change worthiness requirements to enter the temple. I think one of the biggest changes, and anyone listening can correct me if I'm wrong, please, is that the interview questions are the same for all ages. 
with the exception of omitting two questions for youth going in for limited use recommends. And those questions are like, do you wear the temple garment? And like, do you pay child support like as required by law or something? So to me, this change shows that the standards of being worthy to enter the temple are not different for youth and adults. The Lord requires the same amount of worthiness, cleanliness, and obedience to the commandments at any age. And I think that's a huge change, and I love that. On top of that, these questions are also available online for anyone to read, which is huge. Like, I don't think that that has ever been available before. Like, I don't think that the questions have been available for the general public. Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's important that we, yes, do keep things sacred, but it's also led to a lot of anxiety, confusion, and concern when people are going into these interviews and have no idea what to expect. I mean, especially since you only have to go in like once a year, you're, it's easy to forget. And like your first time, it, it can be nerve wracking and it can help provide a lot of clarity when you're also just doing your own scripture study. And so to be able to have access to these whenever you want is pretty amazing. I also think that because everyone can know the standards and requirements to enter the temple, they can know what the purpose is of the temple without feeling like they're being refused access to the temple. Yes, that is such a good point. Yes. So like you can show the questions and be like, if you can answer these questions affirmatively, then you can go get a temple recommend and you can come to the temple. But like, this is the standard that we're all held to. And if you can't meet the standard, you can't come in. Right. Okay. Also, one of my next favorites, number three, is there's a less focus on how we dress now. Um, so this is marked down in some of the church policies and um, the guidelines and how they're communicating um, suggestions and support to leaders. Basically, the big changes that we want to highlight for this one is that one, the booklets say, for example, for sacrament meeting, the individuals wear their best available Sunday clothing to show respect for the sacrament ordinance. This same principle applies to temple attendance. Disciples of Christ will know how to best dress and groom themselves. And two, members and leaders should not judge others based on dress and appearance. So in case we have not said this before, stop judging. You have no right. I don't care what your calling is. I don't care how well you mean for someone to take care of themselves, to look their best, to be appropriate for gospel ordinances and everything. Like you don't have the right to tell people what to wear. And I know we've talked about this a lot um, and we know how wrong it is. And hopefully we can help people to figure out that, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. It's not okay. We've heard countless stories of with other women, with our friends, with our listeners about how they've been judged by people and that's not okay. And yes, it does happen to men as well. It's not just for women because we all get to choose how we dress ultimately. That is up to us. No one else should ever be able to decide that. So hey, if you want to wear a colored collared shirt, or not, not even a collar shirt, really. You can, If you want to wear a different sh- shirt to church, guys, then great. You can do that. Women, if you want to wear pants going to the temple, that is allowed. Do not let people judge you and don't judge people. Unless they're wearing socks or sandals. Then you can judge them. <laughs> the only exception, you guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so the next one that we wanted to focus on, number four, is seeking information from good sources. So. This was one of the most exciting ones for me, and I feel like for you too, <laughs> so to yes. come out. Yes. That is the kind of thing I want to put on a banner and just like go wave it in people's faces. Yeah. Just be like, did, did you read this? Did you read this? Yeah. So from the handbook, I'm just going to read this quote. Quote, 
In today's world, information is easy to access and share. However, many sources of information are unreliable and do not edify. Some sources seek to promote anger, contention, fear, or baseless conspiracy theories. See 3 Nephi 11.30 and Mosiah 2.32. Therefore, it is important that church members be wise as they seek truth. End quote. Honestly, we are seeing this way more often than anything else, and I am so happy and relieved that the church finally said something about checking your sources. If you're like me, you probably remember that one class in middle school about double-checking your sources for research papers. That means that you are checking if a site is reputable, if it's not a blog, if it's not an op-ed, and if it's well-researched itself. And you are cross-checking sources with other reliable sources about this topic. We learned this in school. Do not forget that it still applies today to everything that you are reading online. Like, it has to be fact-checked. And I don't just mean like running it through the fact checker thing, website. That's not enough. You need to put in the work. Yeah, like put in real effort. Yeah, look at who's writing the article to see what their background is, to see if they're biased and know if they actually have experience in this field. Check out the website where it's posted on to see if they're reputable, if they've had a lot of issues, if they've had a lot of court cases, for example, regarding any truths or lies that they are dealing with. There's so many things that we need to be focusing on. And as much as I love all the people in my life, I do not consider them the ultimate source of knowledge. Right. Because we will all be wrong sometime. I know that I am often wrong and I don't expect anything more from anybody else. So no matter how excited someone is about learning something new, I will hesitate until I can find that out for myself. Exactly. So in this change as well, they cautioned people to not fall for MLMs, for Ponzi schemes, for conspiracy theories as well. So they said to look for good and honest sources in your information. And I think that those points are also very important to highlight as well. Honestly, yes. I do hope that in the future, we do an episode very focused on MLMs. I know we've talked about it a bit, but honestly, we could do a whole episode or more on MLMs because they are very common within the church for several reasons. Because of our community, because of the potential financial independence for the the belief and the uh, trust that we have in one another. We do need to be very careful about that, along with Ponzi schemes, because that's a bad thing. That's dangerous. You should know by that word that it's a problem. And then conspiracy theories. I grew up loving them. I think they're so fascinating and funny, but I've never put any support against anything um, because I have no I have no basis to. They're just fun to be like, oh, what if this happened? What if that happened? But you know what? No, the aliens did not build the pyramids, you guys. I'm just throwing that out there. The one conspiracy theory that I really enjoy, Uh it is my favorite thing ever, Mm -hmm. is that Mattress Firm is a front for like a drug ring. What? I've not heard that. Yes. Because, (laughs) so tangent for a second. So if you think about it, like in some cases, Mattress Firm has like a store on every corner. Yeah. uh And people on the internet are like, there's no way that people need mattresses so badly that there have to be four stores 
in one compact area because how often do you buy a mattress once every 10 years something like that so why would you need four stores to like meet the demand of that and they're all saying like mattress firm has to be a cover for something else it has to be like money laundering or a drug ring or something else because the front looks like a mattress store but if you go in the back it's really something else okay yeah i get it yeah yeah that that's definitely a little silly, but I like it. And it reminds me of this gas station that was like off the road in Orlando. <laughs> and it's always like $6. And I was like, there's there's no way anyone would be willing to drive out of their way right here, even though there's all this housing. And they don't want to go the main road, just like two seconds down the road to find gas like three times cheaper. Like the only way that this place is still open is if they are a drug buyer. It's the one near CP housing. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if we wind up dead, you guys, it's true. <laughs> We've exposed the truth. <laughs> we exposed them. <laughs> Anyways, so don't fall for conspiracy no, theories. <laughs> as fun as they might be, as engaging, as exhilarating, as they might make you feel... Do not put your trust behind them and do not let them influence your way of thinking. Just let them be an entertaining escape every now and then. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Okay. And then the last one on a serious note is rooting out racism, which they're doing more. And I'm, I'm just so happy about it. So at the end of, in December of last year on the 18th, Deseret shared a article about policies on racism, vaping, medical marijuana, with highlight with the highlighted updates to the church handbook. And so it says that the church calls on all people to abandon attitudes and actions of prejudice toward any group or individual. Members of the church should lead out in promoting respect for all of God's children. Members follow the Savior's commandment to love others. See Matthew 22 verses 35 through 39. They strive to be persons of goodwill toward all, rejecting prejudice of any kind. This includes prejudice based on race, ethnicity, nationality, tribe, gender, age, disability, socioeconomic status, religious belief or non-belief, and sexual orientation. This should all be obvious because it's all about being a good person. But Tracy and I both know people in real life who like to deny that racism is a problem, that racism is real. And the church is here calling out all of these problems because they are real, they're relevant, and there are people suffering through these problems. Just because you're not seeing it does not mean that it is not there. Sometimes you might be walking around with your eyes closed. I mean, we want to mention this anyways, but hey, it is February. It is Black History Month. So when you're done listening to this episode, maybe pull out your phone and start looking at ways on how you can continue to educate yourself so that you can make sure that you are rooting out the racism in your own life in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. I love that. Those are the main highlights that we really wanted to bring up because they really do need our attention and our focus. But there's also a few minor ones that are still very impactful and are ultimately meant to help us grow closer to our heavenly parents. And I thought they were very interesting. So if, so another five are, number one, medical marijuana is now, put it in uh, quotes, okay with the prescription. It just fascinates me. Like, I figure this had to come eventually, but it's cool to hear. So, so that some people can get the help that they really need. Another one is cremation is not encouraged, but it is accepted because the power of the resurrection always applies. That's actually been one that I've thought about since I was a kid. Like, if the Lord is supposed to, like, put us all back together in our perfect form, why would cremation be a problem? Because he's going to do that anyways. Also, everyone decomposes and we become part of the earth anyways. So, like, he's literally pulling us together from dirt. Exactly. Yes. 
There is no need for us to spend $15,000 or more to be buried in a box with a headstone. Honestly, if I'm not cremated, actually, I was going to be cremated, but I am currently deciding against that because it is growing in price. So right now, I want to be dropped off at a body farm. Oh, no, or my body donated to science because they will take care of all those uh, problems for free. So your family does not have to worry about it, like which will be a huge financial and stress relief. Yeah. So this is my will, you guys. This, this is what I want to happen to my body because I think that's just a lot easier. But if you want to, do cremation. I think that's pretty popular and important in other cultures, if I remember correctly. So if anyone was ever feeling like concerned about that, don't. Do what you want with your body after death. It's okay. Yes. So next one is how the word of wisdom section is now also inclusive of healthy practices because, in quotes, there are other harmful substances and practices that are not specified in the word of wisdom or by church leaders. Members should use wisdom and prayerful judgment in making choices to promote their physical, spiritual, and emotional health. Which I think is just like a nice little reminder because, I mean, these jokes crack me up all the time because everyone's like, okay, we can't drink coffee, but we can breathe in like all the Diet Coke possible all the time. Yeah. And then there's all the jokes about Utah because like it's filled with the soda shops and the cookie shops. And like that's not always a healthy choice. <laughs> so <laughs> make sure when you are considering the word of wisdom that you're not just not drinking or taking good care of your body that you're doing it in every way shape or form and not inhaling sugar constantly at least that's what i have to tell myself most mornings but yeah so the last change we wanted to talk about is the handbook being moved completely to being digital which is huge i didn't know about this one yeah so back to that same article i mentioned earlier by tad walsh for um deseret news elder perkins states the digital-only nature of the new handbook makes it more flexible because it can be updated easily and frequently, and that means, in a phrase, that the church really is true and living. It can change. Having a handbook that is largely digitally delivered allows us to update it as new revelation is received as the church goes in new directions as part of its worldwide growth. The digital general handbook includes what will be a growing number of embedded instructional videos, including several that show how to carry out priesthood rites. So I personally think this is huge that it has shifted to digital because what he said is so true that like we've already established the church is true and living and it's going to constantly change the policies and procedures as the Lord reveals corrections. I also love that including instructional videos bit. Instructional videos always help for clarification, especially especially because we are a global church and we will be opening in new parts of the world where the church has never been before. And those people will need to know how to administer the ordinances, how to run things in the church. And those videos will be critical to help those people understand and know how the ordinances and rights are supposed to be administered. And it will also prevent cultural or societal hand-me-downs to happen with these ordinances. It removes that potential for human error. And I love this change so much. That is so cool. There are so many changes. Honestly, like we, we could keep going on and on and on with all the ones that have been made in just like the last year alone. It's amazing. Please make sure that you are keeping up tabs on new things happening. Explore the handbook. Let us know if we miss any other big ones that you think we should have discussed. Because it's it's just so cool. 
Anyways, moving on. Um, in the same article that I shared earlier by Irina Danielson, she discussed how we need to keep progressing and how the changes will continue to keep coming, how they will be digital, how it's going to show how the church is true and living. So President Nelson said then that more changes are coming to the church. That was in 2019 before all this stuff has happened. So he said how it's going to be exciting and definitely exhausting and uncomfortable and maybe even difficult, but it's it's so great. And it's necessary and we need to keep bringing on that change. We need to welcome it and learn to adapt. Change by its very definition means to make or become different. While it can be hard to stretch and even break in the process to become something different, as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that this life is all about becoming more like God. It's choosing to grow into our best selves through the atonement of Jesus Christ as our hearts are changed through faith on his name. Change grows from our heart. President Dallin H. Oaks said that the changes that we have experienced in our church meetings and policies should help us, but by themselves, they won't get our members to where our Heavenly Father wants us to be. The changes that make a difference to our position on the covenant path are not changes in church policies or practices, but the changes we make in our own desires and actions. So good. Yes. Guys, so important. So the changes are good. They're important. We need them. But it's what we do about them and how we act about them that brings us close. I love that. So good. I love that. Okay. So with that said, we have a couple things that we hope policy-wise will change in the future. Personally, yes. Just, you know, (laughs) if church leaders are listening, here's what you should include next. These things that we're going to talk about are not secrets. We've discussed them before in the podcast, and we talk about them all the time. They are our ultimate hopes and wants and desires for the future. So we're not saying that this is exactly what's happening right now. We are just saying we see change happening, and we want more change to happen. Yes, exactly. So one of the things that we would love to be able to see in the future is more focus and attention on personal growth for the singles of the church. Yes. You guys, come on. I think personally, we deserve it. Just I'm just gonna say that. Yes, we do. So many of us feel ignored and set aside. And that's not okay. And so I mean, by this, we're not devaluing or debasing a person for being married, of course, like seriously, you know us, we're single, we're loving it. And that should be more than welcomed in our church. So we think that there should be less hyper-focus on getting married with the view being that, hey, we become useless or worthless if we're a certain age and unmarried. We don't we don't want to be able to see that. So we want uh, more encouragement shown for singles of all ages to get an education, to establish careers, make goals, improve themselves, serve wherever they are, and for the love of all humanity, cut the crap with a single sword unless you're in an LDS university. Yeah, just get rid of them. Single swords are kind of weird. Like... I was all for them for all because I don't want to be around all the babies, but like, uh, we we don't we don't need them. Just get rid of them. It's okay. I feel like a prime example is our singles ward in Orlando. Yes, like the locals that are in the singles ward are over twenty five years old mm-hmm. and just done with being in singles wards. Very much so. And everyone, at least the entire stake and bishopric, focused on the transient part of our ward, which would be the college program kids who were 18 to 22. And so like anyone that was over the age of 25 was just ignored. And so we felt like in that scenario, just get rid of the singles ward. Like if the kids 
that are coming to Florida for their college program really care about going to church, they will make a way to go to church, whether it's a singles ward or a family ward. But like in college towns, like if you're connected to BYU or if you're connected to SVU or any other like LDS sponsored school, it makes sense to have singles wards there because there are such high populations of singles that are all like 18 to 24. Keep them together. And then after that, just get rid of them. We don't need them. Well, yeah. And then honestly, like, my main thing would be like, hey, if we could get that focus like straight off marriage and relationships like completely in the singles ward, then I would not be unopposed to keeping them because it is nice to be spending that much time around people my own age. But I don't think that is possible at this time. Yeah. They were structured to help increase the likelihood of us getting married. So we'd have, we'd have to completely destroy that concept, destroy that structure, which I don't think is possible. So we might as well just get rid of them. Yeah. Let them go. Find a way to better integrate singles into family wards without them feeling like social pariahs for being single. Just that's what we need. Yes. All right. So the next one is we want to see law of chastity lessons, including lessons on consent and safe sex. Yes. So I personally think that law of chastity lessons should not just focus on abstaining from sex because of the commandment. I think it's important to explain the commandment and to explain the covenant you're making when you are following this commandment. But I also feel like a lot of kids in the church are only taught about abstinence because of the covenant and they are not taught anything about sex education for when they are adults. And that is why we have such insanely high rates of teen pregnancy and pregnancy immediately after people get married. Hashtag honeymoon babies. Okay. And then when you become like my age, when you're 31, you start seeing marriages falling apart because people do not understand the concept of consent, especially when you are in a marriage. So I really feel like if we had lessons from like older primary age and up about consent, this would save a lot of young people from marriages that ultimately end prematurely and it would prevent a million lessons on modesty that would help to educate a lot of people. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, we do need the law of chastity. Yes. But we also need it to be properly taught and well explained so that people understand the nuances around everything. Because without understanding modesty, without understanding consent, everyone is pretty much set up for a failure. Yeah. I mean, it, it just frustrates me because I do, I, yeah, we see those relationships falling apart. And I think the law of chastity plays into that because there are some things that we don't learn anything about. So when we get thrust into a situation that we know nothing about, we're not set up to succeed. Mm-hmm. We need the opportunity to be better educated, to be better prepared so that when we are married, if we are married, then we know how to, how to treat one another. Yeah. It just wouldn't be that hard, but hopefully someday we can get that. That'd be really nice. Yeah. All right. Then our third, I mean, we've got a lot more wishes, but we're going to cap it at three. Yeah. (laughs) We want the different types of families welcomed into the church. And that means the gay families. That means the LGBTQ plus community. We want them to be accepted and welcomed into the church. Our ult- I mean, you wrote down my ultimate hope, but I, I'm going to help like seal that. Like, it, I think it's both of our hopes that the church is going to one day fully accept the LGBTQ plus community and recognize them as family units. Allowing and accepting these families who get married and have kids as full-fledged members of the ward 
and church at large is so it's so important. They have been making a few slow changes along the way. Um, like uh, married couples can let their kids now get baptized. I don't think they have to wait until like they're 18 and, you know, are like not approving of their parents' lifestyle kind of thing, which is setting them up for their family to be broken apart. Um, but now their their kids can be can be baptized and everything. And if families are one of our main focuses, then we need to be welcoming and accepting of the families that may be a little different than our own. Yeah. I think it's important to accept them and recognize them as family units because that's the whole like purpose of the gospel is to be in family units forever. And by telling a certain group of people that they are not allowed to have a family is really cutting them off from the blessings of the gospel. Yes. I am just saying that I want the church as a whole to be more accepting and loving of families that look differently and are different than the typical mom, dad, 2.5 kids. Like, I want that so badly. We need to treat them as people. We need to get rid of all that homophobia because that's not doing anyone any good at all in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Want to like pound that into some people. But yeah, just because we may not understand something, if you want to put it that way, doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah. It just means that you have some learning to do. So those are three things that we want to see in church policy changes in the future. Maybe we will see some of that in our lifetime and maybe we won't. But those are some of my those are some of my hopes and dreams. And which is interesting, though, because for a long time, I I grew up not questioning the church or anything. But now I love being able to see my growth on how I've changed and can see the growth that we need to do in ourselves and within the church that there is always something for us to be working towards. So I'm starting to keep an eye out more for our church changes to see how we can keep growing. And hopefully some of these changes will come along the way and we'll keep changing and adapting, not just like because of the times or anything, but because we are learning and understanding better the doctrines of the gospel. And because people are finally open enough and humble enough to ask the Lord what he would actually have us do. Yes. And I think that's an important thing. We actually did talk about this with Crystal, with um, the priesthood policy change in 1978, how like For years, everyone was like, racism, 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 racism. No, 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 no. And then someone was finally like, wait, is this actually what the Lord wants or is this what we want? And then turned to the Lord and asked, like, should people of color be able to get the priesthood? And the Lord was probably like, yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, I've been trying to tell you this for years. Thank you. Finally. And so I feel like when we do finally get to that point, and it doesn't just have to be like us individually as members of the church, but it could be like the brethren as well could finally be like, hey, we actually want to know what your will is on this subject. Tell us what to do. We will finally listen. We will do what you want us to do and not argue about it. And then the Lord can be like, finally, thank you. Yes, it's about time. So like everyone needs to change. We all have a lot of growing to do. One thing that is very important to note, I think, is that sometimes changes and policies will contradict each other. We can preach to love one another when we're, you know, not letting people of color have the priesthood and we're not allowing different types of families like uh, gay couples going to the church and it will be contradictory and we can't see the problem in that. That's not a new thing. It has existed through all of scripture. Take the first book of Nephi. He knows you're not, we're not supposed to kill people. That is a commandment. The Lord has never been like, yeah, go ahead. You can kill people now. It's fine. No, that's never happened. But he is specifically told by the spirit that he needs to kill Laban to get the place. 
I have started reading this book, The Book of Mormon for the Least of These by Fatima Sela and Margaret Olson Hemming. And they they go through all the scriptures and analyze them and it's great. And so they write about that those verses is Nephi is wrestled with the spirit and scripture exemplifies how scripture can contradict itself. Commandments are not always coherent. They are sometimes in tension, forcing us to navigate the best path in our own circumstances and with the guidance of the spirit. Scripture writers tell of numerous situations in which prophets are told to do something that breaks one commandment in order to obey another. Similarly, we cannot make the claim that life is as simple as following the commandments and or following scripture. As Nephi shows, life with God and scripture is complex. On top of all that, we're tossing in mankind into the mix with contradictory scripture. We are imperfect and our interpretations of scripture is going to vary. What our leaders say to us are not always going to be completely aligned. Ultimately, it is up to us in our own relationship with our heavenly parents to decide how to believe and how to act. Exactly. I have no words, just yes. I feel like I've been unconsciously getting to this point. I'm like, okay, why does this not make sense? But when these two women talked about it, it just made so much sense. Like it just, it just played it out. And it's like, okay, contradictions are there. You're not doubting yourself. You're not going crazy. And you know what? That's okay. There will be contradictions. Not everything is going to line up perfectly. Just accept it. Yeah. Like you said, you just have to accept it and you have to ask the Lord what to do. You have to have that conversation with the Lord because he's going to be the one that can give you the actual answer on what you should do. Exactly. So now we want to move forward into our last section of this whole topic, which is how does this affect you? Some of you may be thinking that you are not affected by any of these changes whatsoever. Maybe you don't understand why someone would want to or need to use marijuana, or you might not see negativity in the church around you like we discussed in our toxicity episode. Whether we see it or not, these changes impact all of us. They impact the people around us. Some of you may also be thinking, eh, the church is fine the way it is. It doesn't need to change. With that, you are partially correct and partially incorrect. You're right and wrong. Exactly. So think about how the Lord expects each of us to change. He expects us to be teachable, to be humble, and to be constantly working to become more like him through repentance and hard work on our part. The church as a whole needs to be the exact same way. The leaders of the church have to be teachable. They have to be humble. They have to constantly be becoming more like him through repentance and hard work on their part. And they have to do this in order to guide and operate the church the way that the Lord wants it to be done. We all have to be continuously evolving our hearts and our minds toward the heart and mind of the Savior. So make sure that you are taking time to consider these changes as they are happening. You need to pray about them. You need to ask the Lord questions about them. You need to ponder the reasons for these changes and find out the truth about them for yourself. You have been blessed with the gift of agency, which we talked about earlier. This gift of agency enables you to make your own decisions. So do that. Do that so you can understand and accept the changes as they're happening. Do that so you can support the changes. Do that so you can be around to support those who are struggling through those changes and are trying to improve their own lives. Do that so you can be the disciple of Christ that he needs you to be. Bottom line, do the homework. Put forth the effort. Figure out if the changes are true for yourself. Well said. I love that. To follow through with that, though, I do have a thought that I would like to bring up to you, Tracy. Okay. 
So we talk about how there are changes coming, that we need the changes. So how do you react? What are your thoughts when people say the church is perfect? (laughs) (laughs) I laugh. I honestly laugh. And I know that... I uh, I know that I touched on this in the toxicity episode by saying like yes. I have spent the last year maybe more reconciling my faith and my testimony to the like political arena. Yes. So I have been trying to figure out how all of those work together. And what I have come to the conclusion of is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is perfect, the church is not. The gospel of Jesus Christ is eternal. The truths are always from him. They are always going to be the same because they are from him. But the church, the body of it, is subject to change. And it is subject to influence of mankind, prejudice, bigotry, everything. So I I always have to differentiate it between the entity. Like, where is my testimony? Is my testimony in the gospel or is it in the organization? And so that's my response to that one is the church is not perfect the gospel is perfect the church needs work yes the gospel does not oh that's good well said um i i feel like as you're talking it made me think of literally like all the last couple of episodes that we have discussed about all the hard hitting topics of here are all these hard things happening here's how we can take care of ourselves and take care of each other kind of thing and I feel like we might have been getting that message of what you've been saying across, but I don't feel like it really hit me until like you were defining that separation because yes, the church does need to work. And to do that, we need to understand the gospel better and understand humanity's flaws. So thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. All right. As we draw to our conclusion, I do want to share one more quote by Irina Danielson. She said that when Jesus Christ lived on the earth, he was all about change. He was changing culture. Many people didn't like it. His gospel brought hope, but also brought disruption. He offered a new vision, but for those strict to observe what they already knew and had received from God, Jesus' vision was one they they just could not see. Do we sometimes suffer that same lack of vision today? I love how Elder Bednar put it. Sometimes, as members of the church, we segment, separate, and apply the gospel in our lives by creating lengthy checklists of individual topics to study and tasks to accomplish. But such an approach potentially can constrain our understanding and vision. We must be careful because pharisaical focus upon checklists can divert us from drawing closer to the Lord. It's we always want to like to separate things and say, okay, I'll just focus on this one problem. I'll focus on this one idea without forgetting that everything has to work together and change will come through that. And trust us when we say that we know that change is hard. Our lives are filled with a lot of changes and 2020 was a great year for us to really learn that. So change is hard, but we also know that it's necessary and the one constant in our lives. The Lord brought about change while he was on the earth and he continues to bring about change in our daily lives as we apply the doctrines of the gospel and the atonement. So do not be afraid of changes to policy or practice. Good changes come just as often as bad changes. What we ultimately need to focus on as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is that we can receive revelation and understanding about the changes that happen as they happen. So once again, we invite you to read upon these policy changes and gain an understanding for yourself through study and prayer of what these changes mean and why they matter. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Uh, These are great changes. We hope you enjoyed learning about some of them. If we miss any really good ones, definitely let us know. 
message us dm us yes let us know in our dms on twitter on instagram email us just shout us out anything um and if there are any corrections to this episode that you need to make known please let us know as well because feedback is a gift and we would like to receive that gift yes please with that thank you guys for listening this week we love you and we will see you next week yep bye bye